Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Welcome to Freedom Through Faith. Prepare to be blessed as pastor and teacher Robert Thibodeau leads us into the anointed study of the Word of God, teaching and empowering you how to impact your world with the gospel of Jesus Christ, teaching you how to receive the blessings and provisions of God and how to walk through this life with Freedom Through Faith. And now, here's Pastor Robert Thibodeau. We now rejoin today's message already in progress. Now, a lot of the persecution that the Jews went through and the dispersion and all that, Jesus also alluded to. The last days actually began after the resurrection and ascension of Jesus. The last days have been going on for the last 2,000 plus years. But what is a certain fact is that we are at least 2,000 years closer today than the apostles and disciples were back then. I liken it to if you go to visit your friend's house and let's say they have a screen door that's open, you are out in the street, you're looking through that screen door or glass door and you are only able to see you know the light is on we'll say it's night you are only able to see a small fraction of inside that house you don't know if they're sitting there watching television if they're playing with their kids on the floor whatever they're doing they could be cleaning and dusting in the living room. You can't tell what's happening because you only have a small glimpse of what's happening through that glass door. But as you get walking up the sidewalk, your field of view through that glass door is starting to expand. And as you get up onto the porch steps, You might be able to see over on the couch and you see someone sitting there watching television. You don't know what they're watching, but you see them there. You see the kids playing on the floor with their toys. And then when you get right up to the door to knock, you get to see the entire room, what's going on. And if the television is in the right spot, you can even see what they're watching and possibly even listening to what they're watching. Folks, that's how it is. The last days, we could liken it to Jesus starting to make his approach from the street. And in the view of the apostles, we're only able to catch a glimpse, a small portion of what's going on through the eyes of the apostles. But as time goes on, every step gets a little bit closer we can now see things happening in that room 
and relate them to what Jesus said would be happening just before he enters the door. And folks, enough points are lining up with what the Bible says has to happen. There are enough points lining up. We could actually say Jesus is at the door. And Jesus said when he's at the door, he will knock. And whoever opens to him, he will come in and sup with him and us with him. That he and the Father would make their abode in us. Folks, Jesus is at the door knocking right now. There's no doubt about it. We are that close. The rapture of getting his elect out of here, out of this trouble that is about to take over the earth, that day and that time is so close, it could happen before the end of today's broadcast. I firmly believe that. Now, don't go writing me because you're a mid-trib believer or a post-trib believer. You know, that's fine. I'm not going to quibble over pre-trib, mid-trib, post-trib. If you want to be here through the tribulation, more power to you. All right? I want to get my ticket punched on the first boatload. Glory to God. Now, if I'm completely off and we got to stay through the entire tribulation, well, praise God for the strength to do it. Amen? Because he even says right here, those days shall not be shortened. Because in verse, what is it? Verse 22. Well, we'll read verse 21 from Matthew. Matthew 24, verse 29. Then shall be great tribulation, such as was not since the beginning of the world to this time, no, nor ever shall be. And unless those days should be shortened, there should no flesh be saved. But for the elect's sake, those days shall be shortened. That is not talking about the believers. The elect is always referring to Israel. So you could say in that verse, but for Israel's sake, those days shall be shortened. All the armies of the world will amass what's been called the Battle of Armageddon, the last great battle. All the armies of the world, Scripture says, shall be amassed against Israel who is standing alone. They are about to be overrun when God unleashes holy hell on earth, wiping out all of the armies. Jesus coming down. When his feet hit the ground, the mountain splits in two. And scripture says, with the sword of his mouth, he just speaks a word and all the armies are destroyed. Every enemy of Israel is destroyed. The casualties be so vast, so swift, so massive, so complete, blood runs Bridal high, two, three feet high for 200 miles, Scripture says. That's a lot of casualties. 
But folks, if you feel like you need to go through that, more power to you. I'm believing to get out of here before all this happens. Amen. Now, we're not going to go into pre-trib, post-trib, mid-trib, all that. I just wanted to throw that out there, that we are 2,000 years closer today than what the Bible writers were back then. And while we cannot, with pinpoint accuracy, tell when Jesus will return to this world, we are told what the last days are going to be like. And the verses we just read give us the clearest portrait of it all, as it accurately portrays the spiritual and social climate of the last days. Over in uh, 2 Timothy chapter 3, it tells us what we should look for in the last days, and these are the days it is describing. Amen. Are we living in the last days? Well, let's go over the evidence given in these verses in 2 Timothy, and we'll address that very question. There are three identifying marks mentioned in these verses that will let us know whether or not we are in the last days. So are we living in the last days? Let's find out. Let's go together and look at a biblical description of the last days. First, there's the climate of the last days. Paul describes the last days as perilous times. That word perilous means difficult, troublesome, trying, uneasy, hard, violent, threatening, basically dangerous. And while these characteristics have marked all time periods of history to some extent, they are to be intensified beyond incomprehensible belief in the last days. Now, I think it's safe to say we can describe our own days as perilous. What we are seeing all around us is a society, basically, here in the United States, a society on the brink of collapse. Unemployment, you know, don't believe the government statistics. They, if you have been unable to find work for a year or whatever, they take you off the rolls like, well, you're just not looking. So you don't count. Those that have retired, taken early retirement because they couldn't find a job, well, they don't count either. Only those people who are receiving unemployment assistance are counted. So when they say, you know, we're at a 3 or 4 5% unemployment rate, in actuality, this is what experts say, uh, in actuality, it's more like 13 or 14%, the highest unemployment since the 70s, all right? So you have more people out of work, more people on federal assistance than in all previous administrations. The debt has been run up so high that there is absolutely no way to pay it off. None. It will never be paid off. And the interest rate that we are paying, basically to China, is so high, it's almost two-thirds of the national GDP. There is no way to pay this debt off. 
And when there's no way to pay any debt off, what's the next step? Bankruptcy. Basically, defaulting on your loans. Basically, your economy collapses. That's been warned now by many experts in the field that the economy of the United States is about to collapse on itself. When that happens, there are certain things that you can look for. One of them is other nations sensing the collapse will start looking for other stable economies to invest in. China is now touting itself as a, an economic alternative to the United States. Many nations have already struck deals to buy and trade oil in the Chinese yuan rather than the American dollar as, been, as it's been going on for the past 50, 60 years. Many nations are telling the United States, we're sending back all of your currency, we want gold in return. In other words, they don't trust the dollar anymore. And when all of these notes, if you read a dollar bill, it says right now, this note is legal tender. Backed by the full faith and confidence of the government of the United States of America. When we need, you know, you hear Congress saying, well, we need to increase the borrowing limit of the United States, like increasing our credit card debt. When that happens, it's just money printed out of thin air. Congress says, okay, print up another billion dollars so we can keep funding our social welfare programs. Down at the government printing office, they start printing up a billion dollars of paper money. And then they give it to China or whoever wants to buy it, often at a discount. They will also give it in the form of loans to American businesses and then sell those loans to the Chinese. Now, as these nations begin to get weary of the United States constantly running up higher and higher and higher debt, and they start to worry about whether they're ever going to see any of their principal, they take these notes that the American businesses and the American government has given to their nation, and they start sending it back, saying, we want gold instead. And as all of this money starts coming back into the United States and, and, and into circulation, that increases the basically the amount of currency in this nation, in the business climate, in circulation. And let's, let's relate it like this. If I have an apple for sale, one apple, and you're hungry... I say, well, it's $1. You give me your dollar, I give you the apple. An exchange has taken place. If two people or three people are hungry and I have one apple, and you say, I'll give you a dollar, and the other guy says, I'll give you two, and the third one says, I'll give you three. 
What is the value of that apple? It's now $3. That's inflation. All right? If I have 100 apples and you're hungry, and I say, give me a dollar, I'll give you an apple. You say, no, I don't, I don't think it's worth a dollar. I'll give you 50 cents. And I say, okay, what's the value of the apple? 50 cents. Two other people come up and say, I want an apple also. Okay, it's a dollar. Well, you just sold it to him for 50 cents. The value of the apple is 50 cents because I have a lot of it left. Now let's reverse that. Let's say instead of having $1, you have $10. And I say, this is my apple. It's worth $1. You give me $1, I'll give you the apple. What's the value of the apple? $1. If I have one apple and you have $10 and somebody else has $20 and somebody else has $30 and I say the value of the apple is $1. You say, I'm hungry. I'll give you a dollar for the apple. Somebody else says, well, I've got all this money I'll tell you what, I'll give you $3 for the apple. And the next person, I'll give you $5 for the apple. Are you taking really a lot of their money? No. The value of the apple is still $1, but now you're paying $5 for it. But that's okay because you got all this extra money in your pocket. That's hyperinflation. The price goes up, the amount of cash that you have is going up? Well, that sounds okay, Brother Bob. I mean, I'll have extra money in my pocket, okay? What is the value of the apple? It's $1. But it costs you $5, but that's okay because you have that extra money in your pocket. So, in, how can I say this? Inflation is when the value of the goods is, is established by the uh, value of a dollar, a dollar for an apple. Hyperinflation takes place when instead of earning $50,000 a year, you need to make $100,000 a year, where last year you only needed $50,000, but this year you need 100000 just to survive like you did last year on 50000 Because there's so much currency in the world, the value of the currency has gone down, also increasing the price of the goods. In Germany, during World War II, when the Deutsche Mark was devalued, they literally burned currency in the street because it cost something like 15,000 marks for a loaf of bread. But if that time was to happen in the United States and the loaf of bread today is $2, then it might be $200. But that's okay. We got all this extra money here. Take this. Take 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 take. So you're scraping together 200, 250, 300 to go buy a loaf of bread. 
See, those are the times Jesus is talking about. Amen? These are the times where it's almost you are almost unable to provide for your family. Unemployment will be so high because the wages required to live will be so high, no businesses will be able to stay in business. That's one of the troubles of increasing the minimum wage. Businesses that typically make 3, 4, 5% profit suddenly see their wages double, going from $7.50 an hour to $15 an hour. And they have to account for that income somewhere. The only way they can do it really is either cutting back their expenses, which means laying people off, which means the people remain have to work harder or work longer, or raising their prices. And if they raise their prices and another company cuts back employees and keeps their prices the same, everybody will go to this new company. And this other company goes out of business. So you see the dangers in this? And this is what we're facing right now just in the United States. Other nations are already facing these economic catastrophes. Now, I think it's safe to say that we are describing our own perilous times. That's why I said that we are, as a society, on the brink of collapse. And this is proven basically by the 18 characteristics of the last days that Paul talked about in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 2 through 4. You see, we're living in an age that is dangerous to be living for God. Those who practice righteousness are called intolerant, bigoted, narrow-minded, antisocial, and labeled dangerous to society. The government has even issued three statements to that effect. The use of drone assassinations on American soil against so-called terrorists is now generating concern in Washington, D.C. Then, the Attorney General issues a statement that the ability to arrest and place into indefinite detention any person on American soil who is determined to be a terrorist threat is okay. Then the Department of Homeland Security issues a statement that basically anyone who expresses discontent to government policies is labeled as a terrorist. That includes journalists. It'd be conservative journalists, of course. Christians who oppose administration policies, libertarians, basically conservatives in general, can be labeled as terrorists. In some of the FBI uh, training manuals, Christians and conservatives have already been classified as terrorists. Anyone who takes a biblical stand against the perversity that we are witnessing is labeled as a terrorist and could face potential assassination without even ever being arrested, charged, or convicted of anything, just a missile from the sky taking them out. While those who practice 
deviant, sinful lifestyles, those are praised and labeled as heroes by society today and supported by the government. Those who are opposed to these immoral lifestyles are the ones labeled as dangerous. Folks, we are living in very dangerous times indeed. Amen? We may wonder why such days as these might factor into God's plan for the world. Well, Bible says these are determined days. While God is not the author of evil, he has determined to abandon sinful man to his choice of a life of wickedness. This includes nations that support these choices, including America. This is an effort to expose man's sinfulness and basically his wretched condition. The condition of humanity and society in the last days is absolute proof that man, left to himself, will ruin everything he touches. The Midas effect in reverse. And regardless of how we may want society to improve, we will continue to see it slide into decay. We may be able to stem the tide and stop the advance of sin in isolated pockets here and there. But for the most part, conditions around us are going to continue to deteriorate until Jesus returns to this world to rule in righteousness and power. You see, natural man, instead of getting better spiritually, is actually growing more and more wicked. Ephesians 4.22, uh, Daniel 12.10 tells us that the wicked shall do what? Wickedly. The wicked shall do wickedly. As we shall see in a few minutes, the spread of evil is not just in the world. It's also true in religious circles. Amen? Again, the characteristics of the last days are their deeds. Paul describes the kind of people who will be alive during the last days. He tells us how they will think. He tells us how they will live. You only need to read these verses and cross-reference them with your local newspaper or the evening news and life all around us to see we are surrounded by those who are fulfilling these characteristics to a T. Just take a few minutes. Let's go through this list of attitudes and actions that will mark those living in the last days. Then you tell me if we're in the last days or not. First, Paul says, lovers of self. Selfish. Those intent on your own interests. Philippians 2.3 says, nothing is more important to some people than themselves. These people feel as if the world revolves around them and them alone. They are literally setting themselves up as their own little God. When love for self is elevated, love for God and all other things is lowered. For example, the trend in the modern church towards self-esteem, self-worth, a positive self-image, all concepts borrowed from modern secular psychology. It's New Age preaching creeping into so-called evangelical churches. Now, Every one of these characteristics Paul names is a result of being a lover of self. 
And when a person is number one in their own eyes to themselves, well, then he himself is the be-all and end-all of all his existence. Then we should not be surprised at the depths of evil of which he's capable. Keep in mind as we study these terms, though, the people who do these things basically are merely in love with themselves. And actually, that is what hell is. You have just heard a message of encouragement from anointed pastor and teacher Robert Thibodeau with Freedom Through Faith Ministries in Baltimore, Maryland. For more information on the Freedom Through Faith Ministries or to invite Pastor Thibodeau to your church, please visit our website, www.ftfm.org. That's FTFM for Freedom Through Faith Ministries. Again, that's ftfm.org. Until next time, when we gather together around the Word of God, be blessed. And remember, we serve an awesome God. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, We've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.